You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica Pfeiffer. A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hey, everyone. Today, we will be picking up on part two of our discussion that we began last week, Five Ways to Drive Your Teenager Away from the Church. Join me, Jessica Pfeiffer, Dr. Ken, and Ashley as we continue our conversation. So here's another one. Always force your kid to go to church, no matter how old they are or what their reasons are for not wanting to go. Does that shock you? Like if you want to drive them away from church, always force them to go, no matter how old they are and no matter what their reasons are for not wanting to go. Mm, That does shock me because I feel like that's the one thing, you know, even as teenagers, like we we go to church. That's right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's important. I mean, as I mentioned at the very beginning, the parents that don't even get a they're not in this conversation are the ones that, you know, they're not regularly even part of a church. And then they still think, well, I think my kid's going to be influenced by the fact. No, you're you're not even in the running. But here's the point that is often backfires is that, yes, you should require your children to go to church. Um, And and as a matter of fact, that's important for most of us. Uh, all our life. The question is, if you know anything about planned emancipation by this point, if you've been listening, when is the point while your teenager is still in your house that she will make that decision for herself? More specifically, that you will let her know that we think it's now up to you whether or not you even go to church. And that one is always so scary for parents uh, because it just feels wrong. Like I'm mm-hmm. supposed to require or here's my favorite. This kid isn't really a, a an overly uh, pushy kid. And so he never mentioned it. And we were hoping that we'd just get away with going through high school and he wouldn't ever notice or ask. That's a mistake. Take your mm-hmm. sweet kid that's involved and seems to like it. I did it with mine and say at least by the spring of senior year. Probably mm-hmm. senior year or spring of senior year. You don't have to do it before that, really. I mean, I don't see any reason. But at some point, you announce, by the way, Sunday, as you might know, we're going to be going to church. But I want you to know that you don't have to go with us if you don't feel you uh, should. That's now up to you because of your age. And let the younger kid hear you say it mm-hmm. um, so that they know that, you know, this is not a requirement, your faith has to be yours, uh, mm-hmm. and you don't get into a control struggle, which, as you know, with teenagers, the Sunday morning control battle for church is just so common. Uh, mm-hmm. and, it, and it really, it can be used as a springboard for, hey, dude, why is this so terrible for you? I really want to know. And the at least short-term uh, easing of the pain that, well, no, you still have to go. Um, but I will let you know that before you leave here, there, there's going to time you don't have to keep going. But that time is not now. So it's not a matter that of should you make your kid go. It is what age mm-hmm. and when you make it clear that is now between you and God. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I hadn't even thought so, that far in advance. But Jessica and I had talked about what she did with her oldest. And I thought it was really wise. Well, my son was always willing to go to church. Um, but you know, he just started making us late. He would be late to get up and the whole family would be waiting in the driveway for him. And finally I just said, how about you just go to second service or you just drive on your own and come later. Um, it didn't have to be a battle about that, but 
you know, it is, it is good to give them that option. What if your kid is a little younger, let's say ninth or 10th grade, um, and they want to go to a different church. Do you, what do you say about stuff like that? See, that's a great point that, uh, we also can avoid unnecessary struggles, uh, by being flexible that at middle adolescence, you know, when they're really thinking about it, um, if they have another Christian church, a real church that they really do, that's where my friends go, whatever, what are you possibly gaining by saying, but you have to go to mine? And especially the, well, it's because of our family. Again, you should know by now that that's important for children. But by adolescence, increasingly, if you're doing this right, you are helping them prepare for their own family and you're not going to be their main family. So there is no major gain by requiring that you can't go to even another really good church where your friends are. If that's really where you feel better, then why wouldn't you not not be flexible at least to allow twice a month or whatever? Showing that attempt to be flexible is hugely important. And again, this is what the whole thing is about, is hugely impactful with teenagers to avoid unnecessary struggles like that. And so, yeah, I think it's it's a very good idea to flex on things like what about even a different church? Uh, a lot of times parents are like, well, you have to go to Sunday morning. But if you really don't want to do the during the week thing at this stage, again, not all through adolescence, but at some point you might show flexibility with that. Uh, those are all things that are displaying that this isn't a control battle between you and your parents. Uh, this is about you fitting in with and eventually uh, setting your own standard of your relationship to God. Like I've said before, my teenager is a young teenager, so we haven't crossed these bridges just yet. Mm. But Dr. Ken, why do you feel that some of these Christian parents aren't flexible? You know, I, I'd say two big things. One that comes up in this podcast all the time is fear. Mm. You know, when you're in a never darkening world um, and you forget that God is sovereign and Jesus is our complete assurance of his goodness to us. If you forget that, then you get all scared, like almost this attitude that God has left it to us and he stands back with his fingers crossed and it's up to us to make these kids Christian. That is so not our faith and it, mm -hmm. it so much uh, increases fear. And so I think fear is number one. And number two, to be honest, I think if we examine ourselves, it's also I, I want to look good. I want to come to church with my little brood in line and look how cool am I as a parent uh, that I have these children that um, are all good and, you know, Christian. Uh, and, you know, I don't think anyone's conscious of that, but I think it plays a bigger part. I've had a lot of parents have to admit to themselves that it's about also they feel like it makes them look bad if I have these teenagers that are not dressed the way I want them to, because remember, you're going to let them make their own choice about how they dress at some point. Um, mm -hmm. But also even things like, you know, whether he or she comes to church or what church. Uh, so those are the two big things, fear and really your own pride. Mm -hmm. Yeah. OK, so here the last one of, of these different ways to drive your teenager away from church is actually more impactful than parents know, because I hear about it when I'm talking to teenagers in my office. And here's here's the rule. If you really want to drive them away, away from church, talk about non-Christians or other Christian denominations in condescending, judgmental ways. Oh, and don't forget to use overgeneralizations like the gays or those liberal churches. Mm -hmm. yeah. Does that shock you that I would say that out loud? I mean, 
there is a way to talk about what you think is the Christian faith in your home that actually is talking about politics, Mm -hmm. this group versus that group, uh, the wrong people versus the right people. Uh, And those are ways that shut down conversation with our teenagers before you even start because they feel like they know what your thought is. I'm not even going to bring up this issue because all you've done is talk about every time the news comes on, you'll state your position about either, like I say, a liberal church something or overgeneralized groups like mm-hmm. gay or, or women's lib or whatever that makes our faith mixed with politics. And that's a fatal uh, mixture uh, mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, I, I do have a significant number of older teenagers by now that really object to the Christian faith uh, on grounds of they think it is repressive uh, mm-hmm. and political, and they're really not even thinking about the faith. That is not what our faith is about, but that's what they heard from a pretty verbal parent, for example. Mm-hmm. Gosh, Dr. Ken, I remember as a teenager, I was hurt by this church that I had been attending because I wasn't there every time the doors open. And now mine was circumstantial because like if you've been listening to this podcast in any amount of time, you know that I was raised by my grandparents and they were elderly and disabled. And so there were just times I couldn't go, but I was so hurt by this church. And I remember thinking as a teenager in my teenager brain, well, if that's how y'all are and that's how the God is that you serve, well, then I'm just out. I don't want to be a part of it. That's such a great example. So mean and hurtful, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just remember that. And so when you say this, I can think back to my little teenager heart and my emotions and how I felt just so hurt. And well, then I don't even want any part of it. I'm done then. That's a great point. And it's very easy to get pretty uh, excited about your own views of things in your own home. Uh, You have a little captive audience of children. Some of us, I'm one of them, love to hear me talk. And uh, I think I make these great points. And so you can do a lot more harm than you thought uh, Mm -hmm. by not watching a kind of condescending uh, assumption about people. You know, one of the big ones is, you know, there are many things that we absolutely believe in, in terms of what is God's plan for our lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But you can't, expect someone who does not know Jesus to get that or even care about that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the problem is that when you bring up an issue, whether it's women, you know, whatever, sexuality, those issues are not unimportant, but that's not the same thing. If you're not careful, you will sound like you're talking like a conservative political person, which mm-hmm. is not our faith. There are mm-hmm. liberal political Christians and conservative political Christians. Politics is about uh, is not about what's right and wrong. It's about what we're going to force, uh, allow and tax. It's a, it's a force thing. And, and right. teenagers too often actually think that that's what our faith is about, is making people do this and forcing people to do that. And they, without even examining it, just decide that I'm not going to be a part of that. And that's mm-hmm. often more than parents think from uh, what they have interpreted by listening to their parents pontificate about uh, things that uh, are are really not really about the faith. It's just about generalizations and criticizing. As Christian parents, we want uh, our kids to know that they are going to be set apart or they're going to stand out 
in the way that they behave um, versus the world. Right. But it can't be done in condescension and it can't be done with pride and judgment. It just That's makes right. us look so foolish um, mm-hmm. before God uh, and foolish before our kids and kind of naive and oblivious um, and yet by it's grouping so fun. people that way. It's mm-hmm. so fun to talk like that. Um, you know, so it's a real temptation, but the, it's exactly right. Teenagers that have heard clear truth uh, stated in love from their parents are much stronger uh, in their position on the faith. Uh, again, we're not talking about making your kids into Christians. You can't do that. That's what right. God does. But these are ways to avoid setting surprising stumbling blocks uh, in uh, them coming to faith. Uh, and that that's a, a, an important one that when we speak in love, even about those groups that either don't know the faith or those that we have real concerns about how they're following the faith, when we speak of it in truth and love, it's a very big difference to teenagers' ears uh, because they really do hear it uh, in their own way and they want to know how that applies to them. And they, we want them to know that they are, whatever their issue is, whatever their own concerns are, their own doubts about the faith, uh, you're one of us. We want uh, you and we love you. Uh, and that that kind of speaking is essential for them to hear throughout their whole life, but particularly in adolescence. Right. I've always said you can't turn someone into a Christian by beating them over the head with the Bible. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, figuratively, but that's like with our words, you know, right. like mm-hmm. just so condescending and correcting constantly. And you just can't, you can't, that's not going to happen. And that's not yeah. the way that the Lord designed it. And I think as parents, as we see our faith, more clearly each and every day, right? Because we're always growing, hopefully, True. Um, until the day that we go see Jesus face to face, that we're growing and, and we see it more clearly and that we know that our love for the Lord is what drives us closer to him because we want to be with him and we trust him more. And so we want to learn more about him and follow his ways. And that's when, you know, it, does it still apply, Dr. Ken, that the more is caught than taught thing as teenagers? Yeah, probably even more so than with children. You can uh, kind of fool children uh, in some ways. Uh, mm-hmm. They'll notice uh, obvious things, but with teenagers, they really gain in uh, cognitive, what we call formal operational thought. They can see things in what ifs. Uh, it's part of their painful self-consciousness, but at the same time, they can see our hypocrisy way more than it than it really is sometimes. Like They actually are very black and white about it, but in that, for that reason, then yeah, it, it really has to be lived, uh, yeah. and much harder to speak uh, in ways that contradict the very thing we're teaching. Because teenagers can tell; they'll know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super important as a parent of a teen to be authentic, and to be loving, and to be interested in what they have to say. We hope so much that you have heard something today that can change your relationship with your teenager as you talk about their faith with them and as they explore their faith. Um, We just appreciate you guys showing up every week. Thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Feeding the Mouth. We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at feedingthemouth.com.